This episode includes sensitive information and content. Listener discretion is advised. Take breaks as needed and welcome to the conversation. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Decolonized Christian Podcast, where we dismantle harmful theology and reimagine the Christian witness together. This episode is one that will be really, really fascinating for our listeners, and I'm excited to dive in. And I'm going to turn it over to Greg to share a, a, a brief overview about the theme and then bring our guest into the space. What's up, people? So today we're going to be talking about P-Valley. And I'm sure some of you are familiar with this show, even if you don't watch it. Um, P-Valley, in my opinion, is a a beautifully complex show um, with the characters and just some of the story arcs that are being explored uh, in in last season and even now in this season. And so today we're going to be talking about um, gender expectations, rigid gender and sexual expectations, primarily of, Mm -hmm. of men and how those things are not consistent across the board. Um, And we're also gonna discuss how Christianity kind of creates and maintains these roles and expectations. And just moving forward, how can we have a more liberated idea of what sexuality is supposed to look like? And so with that being said, I'm gonna welcome our guest, Andre. Um, Andre, I met Andre on Facebook. And so he posted something like, so, Around the time that there was an episode of P-Valley, not the most recent episode, but there was like episode four. I'm like, Andre was posting a lot of stuff about episode four. And so I was just like, okay, Andre, can you please come on and talk about talk about this particular episode? Um, because I felt like it was a lot to unpack. And so I'm gonna let Andre introduce himself. So Andre, please tell us who you are. Hello, um, my name is Andre Harris. Um, I'm 33 years old. I am a, a first year PhD student at the University of Houston, um, pursuing my PhD in social work. Um, and that's who I am <laughs> in a nutshell. Uh, I am a sickle cell patient and an advocate. Um, and I also try to advocate for a lot of the things that you all are advocating for in this show. Um, As someone who was raised as a Christian, uh, a licensed minister, someone who was a preacher, um, but who also is new to embracing their LGBTQIA plus identity, um, it's something that I'm passionate about raising awareness of. So that's, that's pretty much who I am. Excellent. Welcome to the conversation and the table, Andre. Thank you. And and just so y'all know, P Valley is not a sponsor, <laughs> not yet, anyways, not yet. Okay, so we just kind of just you know have a general conversation here, and I want to first talk about P Valley. I want to talk about P Valley and that scene on episode four that everyone lost their minds over with. Um, Little Murder and Big Teak. And, you know, I remember watching the episode. So I was on Facebook 
the uh the same day that the episode came out. So like, you know, you can watch the episode at midnight when it when it drops, like before it drops later later that night. And so someone had took a picture of that scene <laughs> and posted it on Facebook and, and I was like, let me I was like, let me go watch, see what's going on. I had, I had to go find out what was happening. And so um I watched the the scene and the, I watched the whole episode, but before it got to the, the scene that everyone was in an uproar about, I felt like what led up to it, you know, there was this, there was some rioting going on. Um, and is, is it is it Big Teak or Little Teak? What's his name? I think it's Big Teak. Okay, so Big Teak. So apparently, you know, Big Teak and Little Murder were in prison together. And I'm sure they were fooling around in there as well, as that it often happens in prison with men. And um, Big Teak seemed to be in a lot of emotional distress for whatever the reason was. I'm assuming, you know, the goings on of the world just had him in a really um, sensitive place mentally. And I thought, one of my thoughts was, okay, this is, I feel like Little Murder was trying to comfort him in the midst of what was going on in his mind. And so I just, I didn't see it as just, oh, they're having sex. I felt like this was healing in some ways for both of the characters, specifically um, Little little Big Teak, because it seemed that he was the one that was in such a place of distress. Um, And so in that way, and people, don't probably, uh, people probably didn't see it that way, but that's one of the ways that I saw it. And moving moving forward after that, like the the next day, when Big Teak finds out about Uncle Clifford, and he was like, "Well, you ain't write me no letters when I when I, when I was in jail." So like, he gets visibly upset, which lets you know that. To me, there was a they had a genuine connection, whether it was solely in prison or it clearly it, it maintained itself outside of prison as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the commentary around the episode was that I noticed from uh cishead men, it was generally negative. And it, it, even even some women too. Like I was just I was seeing a lot of different things. A lot of women. I was seeing most women. Yes, I was seeing a lot of different things. And so what I wanted to ask you about, and you shared this on Facebook, but just kind of opening up the conversation to these expectations that people have placed on men and what we would definitely deem as a patriarchal society. Um, How do you think P-Valley is kind of, tearing that down like expl- like tearing down this hegemonic idea of what masculinity is supposed to be that's i i could write several dissertations mm-hmm. on, i could talk all day um i i commend p valley number one because as i said as someone um i i publicly came out as bisexual december will make two years two years ago um, uh, and so my whole life, I knew that, 
I don't want to use the word different, but I knew that I didn't identify with like the mode that everyone expected me to identify as. Um, but what is interesting is I, I have this discussion all the time. We see, and this is what I've been exposed to. I see representation for interracial uh, queer couples. I see representation for a lot of lesbian couples, but I, I'm, I'm talking about like mainstream, like media, like movies, TV that are like mainstream on major networks. And I'm sure I probably missed a few, but the ones that I watched, if they had a queer couple, they were either biracial, you know, they, they were interracial, or if they had a queer couple, they were lesbians, but it was few and far between that I saw a, a queer couple where it's two black male partners. So that's number one. Um, why I commend P-Valley. Number two is um, they are really exposing um, the, the spectrum for what it is. And I think it's very funny that people still in 2020 think that masculinity mm -hmm. equ equates heterosexuality mm -hmm. or that femininity uh, equates homosexuality. homosexuality. You can right. be a feminine man and be uh, uh, a heterosexual man. You could be a masculine man and be uh, homosexual. They're so, um, and so getting to your point, like I think that type of representation really not only is educating people, whether they like it or not, they're educating people about how the world really is. Um, mm -hmm. And I appreciate the fact that they are like tackling head on these type of um, other identities, uh, someone like Uncle Clifford. Mm -hmm. uh, sadly, our society devalues femininity, whether it's from a man or a woman. Right. Um, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we have a, a term protect black women, protect women, because if we needed that term, that means they haven't been protected, right? Mm -hmm. We wouldn't need that term if they've been historically protected. So I say that to say that um, the overarching idea of womanhood and femininity itself is an issue that we haven't really come to terms with and that we're still in 2022 are experiencing gender pay gaps and gender role uh, disparities in, in every area. And so if we understand that, then of course it's going to bleed into a man who may presents as a more feminine man. You are devalued in your manhood, in your 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 humanhood, if mm -hmm. if I will. Um, and so the fact that they can show someone like Uncle Clifford, who to me is equal parts male, female, hood, soft, you know, like he he to me embodies it all. Yeah, he does. Um, and and also. I think it's funny how people assume that if you're feminine, that you are someone to be pushed over or walked on. And I ain't seen nobody walk over Uncle Clifford. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so, uh, you know, even the most powerful people in Chuck Elisa think twice before they cross Uncle Clifford. And so I think, and I, they probably don't even know who I am, but I tweet the writers of the show every week yes. um, on Twitter because I'm like, this is amazing because going back to the fact that growing up and even as an adult, I did not see that um, on TV. I may have felt more comfortable to come out earlier if I did. I may have 
been able to come to terms with my own struggles of my sexuality earlier. Yeah. Um, so that's a long way to kind of say that I think that this show being unapologetically uh, queer, um, but then also, if you see the other characters, um, I should know his name. I'm having a brain fart, but like the guy yeah. that wears the cowboy hats that's in the in the club, the he's kind of like the security. Oh, with them. yeah, well, I can't. Security, yeah, I can't think of yeah, his name right now. Either. Him and then Diamond, like they are straight men. Mm-hmm. But n- not once have I seen them be homophobic. Right. Not once have I seen them try to prove their masculinity. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, our society teaches us as men that we have to have a performance to mm. prove how masculine we are. Mm. And if, if we could beat somebody up, oh, that's good. If we could cut somebody out. You know that 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 gives us brownie points. If we could be mm-hmm. as overtly homophobic, you know, then that gives us credit. Um, and the fact that they are comfortable and um, have not once said or done anything towards Uncle Clifford or any other LGBTQ character in that show really shows me um, that the writers understand because. They have LGBTQ writers, but they're also not afraid to tackle those issues, which I think some of those mainstream Mm -hmm. TV shows that I said I didn't see the representation are probably too scared to tackle. Mm -hmm. So I I really appreciate P-Valley for that. So I want to acknowledge the character because it's important. Big L is his name. (laughs) Big L, thank you. Thank you. I was about to go to Google. I was going to say, I had no Google because we want to acknowledge the character. <laughs> and- hell, yeah, but like, and and then what gets me is even for those straight men who may be 100% cool with being friends or, you know, if they're like your uncle or your cousin and they're cool with you being gay or whatever you identify as, other people would be like, well, then mm-hmm. you're not you know, like they'll challenge your masculinity or challenge your sexuality just because you're comfortable being around them. Mm -hmm. And I love how they're unapologetic about the fact that they are in this space. Um, And and that's really, to me, what it's about. Um, For some reason, people think that there's some type of LGBTQ agenda. I haven't seen it yet. Y'all let me know when when it comes out because I would like to read it. But... um, (laughs) The issue is, is that there is no agenda. We we really just truly want you all, and I, when I mean you all, you, I mean the broader society, to treat us like human beings. No, I don't. I'm not trying to turn you gay. No, I'm not trying to have sex with you. You know, like right. these assumptions is really what has to be destroyed and pulled down. Um, and when we have more straight men, Uh, Just like we talk about um, in the fight for racial justice and equality, we have to have white people who are not just allies. We need accomplices, right? We need people that are getting their, you know, getting skin in the game too. But the same with the LGBTQ plus community is that we need straight people and other people who may not identify as LGBTQ to still not only be an ally, but someone who is an accomplice to the movement, you know, someone who could throw a brick through the window during Stonewall as well. Um, and, and I say that to say that sometimes I think straight people may be okay with gay people, but they're 
too afraid to stand up or mm-hmm. advocate for them. Mm-hmm. How much of an ally are you if you don't defend me when I need to be defended? Yes, so yes. Um, I'm starting to ramble, so go ahead. I'm a, no, I'm no, a- no. <laughs> I, I, wa- I kind of want to sit with the characters of Diamond and Big L for a second, because I think that's really super important to have that representation as well on a show where queerness is amplified um, because you know it's it's so easy to be ignorant and to be hateful but I love the fact that these are two black men that are as rugged as rugged can be and like you said they have not yet exemplified any ounce of homophobic behavior or anything that would be harmful to someone that is different from them. And I think that that is something that that we need to explore as well, because a lot of times I see people talking about, talking about the negative, but no one really highlights the fact that, to me, those those men, they deserve their flowers too. For for the for the characters they're playing, like like because I think that it's it's just it's something that you don't see very often. I think me me personally, and I think there's research to back this up. Like black people are highly homophobic, mm-hmm. like more so than other other people groups, and it's it's just kind of weird because you know you think about the ways in which. Black people have been oppressed historically and and are even mm-hmm. now continually, mm-hmm. and so it's like, why would you do the same thing to someone else? Yeah, and I don't know if it's okay if I jump in here, but um, as I said before, I I was raised in the church. I was a preacher, licensed minister. You know, I I spent four to five, sometimes six days a week in church, sometimes seven. Um, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal experience. So um, not only is, I agree with your opinion that the Black community can be more homophobic than most, but also when you add the Black church into the mix, that furthers the, the homophobia because, of course, homosexuality is a sin. Um, and there, to me now, is where people are just now, oh, well, we can believe that you may be a sin or abomination, but we still can. And see, this is the thing. I don't really care what Muslims think about who I am. I don't, and I hope this doesn't get soundbited because I'm about to to really elaborate. I don't really care what Hindus think that because I am not Hindu. So whatever their strict laws may be, they don't apply to me because I am not mm-hmm. a Hindu. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not a whatever. If you catch where I'm going. Right. So the fact that Christians feel, <laughs> Black or not, that everyone um, should really conform to what they think or what they feel really boggles my mind. And as someone, like I said, who was raised in church, I used to be the one, you know how a lot of people say that, Uh, their parents drugged them to church. I used to drag my parents to church. (laughs) Like I was that kid. I was really annoying, honestly, as a child, but that's another podcast for another day. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I'm making a story to say that it is, um, 
I think it's just now where churches are starting to believe, well, I can believe that maybe homosexuality is wrong, but that doesn't mean I have to go out of my way to mistreat or treat this person in a different way. And I think really that's where it lies at. Like, I don't, I honestly don't think the majority, and again, I'm a, I guess you could call me a baby gay. I mean, since I just came out, but so I can't really speak for the whole community, but I would think that the community really doesn't care what you preach theologically. Um, as much as how you treat them. Mm. Um, so I know that there's some churches that really may not agree with homosexuality, but I'm okay with them as a person because they treat me like a person. Now, will I go to listen to some of their sermons? Probably not. But at least I know that they are not going out of their way to denigrate me for who I am. Um, it, it's a, It's a sad thing to have to make those type of compromises but just to address that i think the black church and a lot of people get mad at me when i say this but oh well but i really think the black church has to come to terms with how they view um people who are homosexual and to be quite honest they act like first of all they act like this is something that just came out, like it's brand new, like homosexuality is new. This has been going on for eons, literally. Um, This is nothing new. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black gay Christians have been in the Black church forever, since Mm -hmm. the beginning of the the Black church, since, you know, slavery, um, you know, separated us and we started building Black churches out of basements Queer people have been there from the beginning, been in your music ministries, been preachers. And (laughs) some of the queer people never openly identified as queer, but they were still doing queer things behind closed doors. So, I mean, these are all conversations that for some reason, not for some reason, I know why, but it's been uncomfortable and undesirable for people to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really what really underpins why the Black community is as underlying homophobic. And even the people who say, oh, I'm an ally or I'm not homophobic, some of the ways you think and some of the things they say, mm-hmm. even I have to check myself and be like, oh, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Or like, I, I don't know if y'all Man. ever looked at like your memories on Facebook from like 2009, Ooh. 2010. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I, I tell one of my friends, I every day I make it a habit to look at every memory because if it's something that's crazy, I go delete. Because <laughs> if I run for Congress and somebody pull that up, Uh, 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 yeah and i'll stop the rambling here to also say i think part of this conversation too Mm -hmm. is important to show that people can evolve people can change um if you met the 2008 andre i was i was homophobic as a performance to validate my diminished masculinity so i wanted to do anything that i could to make people validate me, even though I was, you know, more feminine presenting, you know, more sus as people say now, but, and that then I was still a virgin. Like I wasn't 
none of that was going on back then, but I still was suspect just because I didn't, I didn't play sports. I didn't do whatever, you know, rigidly people define as what a man should do. So I say all of that to say, I think also a part of this conversation is that mm-hmm. acknowledging that people can evolve and it's okay for them to evolve and we should allow them space to do that. But also knowing that if you are overtly hurtful, that we have the right to correct you um, and to check you. Mm-hmm. Um, these are conversations we yes. just haven't had. And yes. I'm, I'm going to stop rambling now because I just, I told you I could talk all day. No, we want you to talk. We want you to talk. <laughs> no, you're good. And, and I, you know, I think occurred... I took the podcast on a whole other topic. <laughs> no, no, it's, it totally intersects with everything that we were talking about today because I, I remember very poignantly. Um, there was a video on Facebook, I think. Oh, and it's been years since I've uh, since I first discovered it. But Bishop Yvette Flunder was sitting on a panel, and uh, for those who don't know, Bishop Yvette Flunder is the um, the tragedy. Just showing out. Just showing. Just showing That's out. Her. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, you know, I'm a vocalist. I'm a vocalist for real, like real okay, time. Vocalist. I know, I know. I'm a vocalist. Uh, but no, this should be very fun. Uh, same with um, Edwin Hawkins. Like, and I want to say that might be her her claim to fame. But she's also a bishop now in her life, and um, she was just sitting on the panel talking about you know her career as a as a as a artist and how people did not want her to identify as as lesbian as a same gender loving woman and um she said some things that you know just kind of stuck with me because a lot of the things that people do in the church in the black church she's talking about the black mm-hmm. church specifically a lot of the things people do is they weaponize the Bible against LGBTQ people. Um, And I remember her vividly saying, stop blaming Paul and stop blaming Leviticus and blame it on the fact that you have not done your due diligence and researching and and understanding. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send you that one. I'm gonna send this to you. You know, I like to make waves on my Facebook. Yes. (laughs) Yes, because I screen recorded, I got to say, but I'm just like, yes, stop blaming the Bible. Stop blaming God said 100%. as a validation and, and an excuse for you to abuse people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so here's another thing. And again, I promise I'm not trying to shift the, the conversation, but I think also really at the root of that is the fact that a lot of Black people who are Christians do not understand that a lot of the the Christian values or the rhetoric that they hold on to really comes from Come white evangelicals. I, I knew you was going to say evangelicals and conservatives um, and you know white nationalists. Um, and I told somebody the other day. Um, somebody posted that um, they reposted like something about like most woke preachers they use the word woke most woke preachers um aren't good preachers but they have podcasts and basically saying that woke preachers 
they're not good Christians. They're just good celebrities. And that's really what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And I commented and I was like, do you understand what there are certain words and taglines and phrases that are inherent to the white nationalism and white evangelical culture and woke is one of them. And do you understand like what you were sharing Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to have that. And you know how folks say they don't want to have that conversation. They don't want to have that conversation. They weren't willing to really interrogate the fact that they, they may have shared that post with a pure intention, but because the post that they shared did Mm -hmm. not have a pure intention, you are still complicit in that type of ideology, if that makes sense. Exactly. And so to me, that was a perfect example that I, and again, I was one word, like, I'm like, did I say that? Did did I believe that? Like, just with this whole, this has nothing to do with P-Valley, but I'm really trying to make a point for how, evangelicalism really underpins why black people are so homophobic. But like, even the fact that this Roe versus Wade and and the prayer in school, the the Supreme Court rulings this term, a lot of people were sharing and saying things. And I'm like, somebody from a white, a right wing, y'all forgive me, my braces won't let me say words. (laughs) Somebody from the right wing posted this and y'all just amen it because it says something about Jesus. And like, I hate to, I'm not trying to add to the stereotype that black Christians are ignorant or we just go along to get along or go with the flow or we don't know what we're talking about. Cause there are a lot of educated black Christians. And I, when I mean educated, I mean, theologically seminarians, you know, they, there are people who have, you know, the, the education to really divide the word, you know, all of that. But like for the average layman, we see something that says Jesus up, oh, retweet, praise God, hallelujah, and don't give any further investigation mm-hmm, yeah. to it. Yeah. And that's what I really want to see die. Yes. Church. That's what I really want to see go away because, and again, I promise I'm not trying to, I even, I saw this come fully into spectrum when Trump announced that he was running for president. <laughs> Ever since then, I don't trust nobody. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't trust nobody. I need to interview you and interrogate you before I'm like, okay, I, I trust you because it's so sad that some people, long as you say I'm against abortion, I'm against homopho- uh, 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 homosexuality. Long as you say certain buzzwords, I'm against this and that. Oh, and if you say Jesus in the Bible and those buzzwords, you're good. And all the black church folks are gonna vote for you and may not even understand what they're voting for. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. these are issues we have. And and again, I hate to do this, but like I have friends, I went to a white Methodist college uh, for undergrad for two years before I transferred to HBCU. And looking at how civically engaged that predominantly white denominations are and educated Methodists, Lutherans, you know, Episcopalians, they are so... The ones that I've seen and been exposed to are totally involved in the civic engagement process. They vote. They have, you know, all of these type of voter education. They because they want you to know what issues are really behind the people that you're voting for. It's not just because they say, praise God. I can say praise. If I want your vote, I say praise Satan. You know, like I do. Any, you know, some people will say anything to get your vote. I'm going off the rails. My point is 
that type of flippant agreement really to me is the basis of why a lot of people are homophobic because my bishop said, because my pastor said, well, it's in the Bible or blah, 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 and not understanding. And I, even though I was a licensed minister, I am not a theologian. I'm not a seminarian. <laughs> I did like two semesters at a Bible college. <laughs> and, uh, I will not, I will not even sit here and lie to you to say that I have a mastery of the Bible, but what I will tell you, what I've heard from people who I trust who are theologians and seminarians is that a lot of the verses that we use to perpetuate homosexual uh, homophobia, homophobia are not even what was written in the original text. <laughs> no. um, I'm not going to expound upon that because I don't know. I will. Um, I will. I will. So I'm going to let you do that. But I, will I just want to say before you do that, I said all of that. I know we're talking about P-Valley, but I really said all of that to really show mm. how and why I think that homophobia is really sustained in the Black church. Mm -hmm. um, and that we we really feel that <laughs> we have to be you know, good and right to get to heaven. And if anybody, if our cousin is gay, we can never talk to them again because we ain't going to get to heaven, nor are they. That's not how it works, but go ahead. No, thank you. I agree a thousand percent everything you just said. I think, you know, as Black people, we have to think more critically about the things that we hold dear and hold to be true. And it's just something that we haven't done. Um, and, you know, I'm no theologian either, but I have studied. I have studied those verses, and they are what they are kind of colloquially referred to is the clobber passages, and mm -hmm. each passage has been deconstructed by scholars time and time again. Specifically, Paul's letters. Um, there are some Greek words that Paul uses, and like literally, uh, the word is made up. Like it's like nowhere in the Greek, Greek, Greek or Hebrew language at all. And so as with, with the Bible, because it is a piece of literature, with as as you do with any, whether or not, whatever your I want to be clear, whatever your view is of the Bible, yeah, it is a piece of literature at the end of the day. And so um you have to with 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 literature, there is context to sift through. <clears throat> There's settings. There's a ton of stuff that you have to acknowledge before mm -hmm. you decide that this is what this means. Um, and so, unfortunately, um, Andre, I think we're, for a lot of Black pastors, and I hate to say this because I don't want to sound elitist or, or classist, but I think it's true for a lot of people that are uneducated in you know languages, for example, who who may not have gone to seminary, they lack this information, and so they perpetuate the harm. I want I want to say unintentionally, but it's hard for me to say yeah. that too. <laughs> it's it's hard for me to say uh, it's hard for me to say it's hard for me to say that too because there are still resources at your disposal, whether or not you want to go get an overpriced education at a seminary there is still information at your disposal. And the reality is that you, people just choose not to, not to learn. People, yeah. choose, to, people choose to remain ignorant and, yeah. and thereby being complicit in um, homophobia or other systems that harm queer people. 
And so that's my little blurb. Um, yeah. It's definitely something when I attend seminary, I'm definitely going to dive into more. But yeah, we just, I think at the crux of it, it's just, we don't, we don't think critically. Like I was on Facebook yesterday and someone made a post basically saying, essentially what I took from it was that they had a conversation with their two-year-old child. Mm. As if the child was understanding what they were saying and processing what they were saying. Yeah. And this was a conversation around discipline. Train them up in Train the way up they children go. early. You know, how black folks are with, with discipline and children. Anyway. And I'm just, yeah, and I'm just sitting here like, you really feel like your your one year old baby understood what you said. If that's how you feel, great. Yeah. Like whatever works for you. But <laughs> that was just further evidence to yeah. me um, about how we just we don't we don't think we don't think we want to interrogate things. Um, it's this whole God said it, I believe it. I know the Bible's right and somebody's wrong. Mm-hmm. All of that is what, yeah. like you said, I want to see it burn. Yeah, I, I want and I want to burn it down myself. Yeah, but I also I want to see it like completely die and go away because we're just we're in a time where, totally. in my opinion, it's really unacceptable yeah. to yeah. hold certain beliefs about people. Yeah, um, and not interrogate them. But yeah, I, go ahead. that's so good. It's and I also want to just mention I hate when people say, "Well." We believed it in 1952, so and y'all new age people and everything is a uh, is wrong. Well, I hate that because it, it shows to me the ignorance again. Because in 1952, you couldn't drink from a certain water fountain, mm. but now we can't. Well, first of all, I ain't no water fountains, but you know what I mean. Uh, I ain't seen a water fountain in 10 years, but you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know, in 1952, you couldn't. Uh, go in the front door of a hotel. Um, like I was in Dallas uh, a couple of months ago and I was at this really nice hotel and like someone that was from Dallas, mm-hmm. it was an older lady. She said, I remember when my dad used to work here and we had to go in the back. Like this woman remembers, you know, mm-hmm. like, and again, I'm not trying to take this conversation to something else, but my mm-hmm. point is there are people who remember when that there was a different day, but does that mean it's bad that we've changed? No, it's okay to change. And the fact that you say, well, we, and we don't tolerate, well, we, my granddaddy, okay, your granddaddy operated in the level of knowledge that he had available to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now we have, and I hate to, you know, because people weaponize the Bible, but I also can weaponize it back to you because there there are several verses that says that once you know better, you... Mm -hmm. This is the 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 black version, but once you know better, you should do better. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. Don't nobody cancel me. I know that is not in the Bible, but there are verses that allude to that. Once you know what is good to do, when you don't do it to him, it is sin. I can't remember which verse that is, but I just loosely quoted it. But my point is, once you have the knowledge, once you have the exposure then I'm going to hold you accountable to that. I don't care what your great granddaddy did. That ain't none of my business. I never met him, but you, sir, are homophobe and let's talk about it. You know? Yeah. Uh, And people have an issue with that. And people also have an issue with queer communities, like measuring up their oppressive uh, uh, 
history to mm-hmm. black people or people of color. And that's another hot topic debate. But my point is, if we could change the fact that people, the K, first of all, the KKK is technically a Christian organization. Yep. They yep. use the Bible. They had crosses. First of all, just be, and people think, well, they burned the cross, but they were, they prayed. They, they sang hymns at their meetings. They had hymn books at, you know what I'm saying? Like it was a Christian organization Absolutely. that lit, that was responsible for terrorizing and murdering mm-hmm. probably hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of black people for years. Um, and so just on the, the litmus test of you being Christian should mean that you're safe. I'm sorry to break it to you. Mm-hmm. It does not. Um, I, you know, and a lot of people will be mad that I say that, but just because you're a Christian, that means you, you're a good person. It does not. Um, I hate when people like, if somebody died, oh, he was a good Christian man. And so, or like, if somebody got murdered, oh, he, he didn't deserve that. He was a good Christian man. Mm -hmm. Nobody deserves, whether I was a bad Satanist, I don't deserve. You see what I'm saying? Like, these Mm -hmm. are topics we don't talk about. Um, but I also no. say this to say, like, weaponization of the Bible, um, to me, is at its peak when you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And when and and I just mentioned that to say that I think also one reason why it's perpetuated in the Black church and uh, people, why you got to go back to slavery? But here's the thing. Slaves at that point, and again, I'm also not a, a Black history scholar, but I do, I wish I could show y'all my bookshelf, but I love Black history and I read a lot of books. And <laughs> even though my PhD is in social work, I keep saying, y'all keep playing with me, I'm gonna drop out and go into a, a history PhD program. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but like a lot of the slaves from what I've learned, um, when they were you know, integrated with like their slave masters and they would go to church with their slave masters or they would have church on the farm, they read to them the verses that they wanted them to hear, right? But also a lot of the verses that we cling, clung upon, clung to, and we use from the black church perspective wasn't because we read it because the majority of us couldn't read. We regurgitated what they said. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, for I'm I'm assuming y'all have been in you know Pentecostal you know historically black church spaces at some point and have maybe encountered this. I grew up in a lot of different arenas, but uh, a lot of older pastors or older preachers sometimes they'll have somebody read the scripture for them. Now, now mm-hmm. most pastors can read; they have an education. But where did that come from? That's not just because of a certain style, like pastors and preachers in the, you know, back in the uh, mid 1800s when, you know, the black church really was booming and really sustained black society and was the birthplace of a lot of HBCUs and other places. Those preachers didn't have an education, not formally. So they had readers that read those scriptures for them. And it became just pass along until 2022 where people still have a reader. Why am I saying this? A lot of preachers mm-hmm. really didn't read. They just regurgitated what they, what they heard. And we've perpetuated that. Yes. Now we have the education. Now we have access to go to Duke or whatever. We have the access to go to the, the biggest, you know, seminaries, but still a lot of the stuff that is an issue is because we've regurgitated what 
you know, Aunt Sally said, who's 97 and, you know, <laughs> didn't mm-hmm. go to. And again, like you said, this is not being elitist. This is not, you know, trying to be an advocate of some type of talented ideology. It's the fact that some of the errors in our ways isn't really from a, a even as you said, it's not from a harmful place. We just didn't have the access to the knowledge. We didn't, uh, and it's perpetuated. And so now people, those are things that have been hardened and emboldened in their hearts. And a lot of them do not want to touch that because that makes their Christianity, that makes their faith feel better if they could yeah. say, well, somebody else is I've going to hell and I'm not because this, whole this, time, this and I've, I've been trying real hard not to get fired up. Um, but I'm going to stand on my soapbox, if I may. First off, those in this conversation and those listening, you are absolutely theologians. Those who think about the way in which God is moving in the world, you are a theologian. I just so happened to go through an institution that gave me a piece of paper and said, you fulfilled all the requirements needed to get this degree. Shout out to Memphis Theological Seminary. I love you very deeply. So that's number one. Number two is this woke, woke pastors are not good preachers, but they make good like podcasters, bloggers. It's because we believe preaching is an art form. And if the art form does not align with what we've seen as art, then we deem it less than, oh, that's not a three point sermon. That's not an expository. Wait, what are you doing? I, I can get on my soapbox about preaching styles and what's acceptable and not acceptable. Um, but also what's just a formality for you to participate in on Sunday so you can feel good about yourself and walk out of the doors of the church and come back um, the next week to get the same thing over and over again. Right. So, that, so that's just an aside. Um, but I will go there with you, Andre, simply because chattel slavery plays a critical role in foundation of just black church development and black personhood in general. So specifically talking about black masculinity, my immediate thought was Mandango Mandango fighting, right? Who's the strongest among? And then this theory of breeding the strongest and toughest black slaves, right? Like that narrative that is peddled through the black community, um, being colonized at the same time, right? Thinking um, for as a black man, so I am biracial, but still those black masculine stigmas get put upon me, right? If I didn't say I was biracial um, in spaces, people would not say, oh, there's William, uh, he, he's a white man. No one ever says that, right? Um, so so being able to, to look at those things and say, oh, black masculinity means that, <laughs> shit, I'd rather be able to dance, rap, or play basketball because those are the pre-subscribed narratives that I have. Um, and to, to, to be masculine is, is to, is to assert, assert dominance, um, as well as the intersectionality of the black male being a criminal. So now I have to, I have to express myself in a way that is hyper-violent, hyper-sexual, and is predatory, right? And so living into those narratives, uh, is oppressive and dangerous and exhausting and, I'm going to step off that real quick. Uh, but the way it expresses itself is through black film. And I, I thought about the release of Black Panther and how like the majority is like, yes, finally a superhero film that is not about chattel slavery or riots or the civil rights movement, all of which are central, right? But they're also re-traumatizations. <laughs> like every time you enter into that space, there's this re-traumatizing of 
I began my story and my heritage in chains. That sucks. <laughs> like, that's the starting point in American history when we talk about chattel slavery. We know that's not the actual starting point, but that's where um, American Western culture likes us to, to sit and tell our stories, right? It jumps off from that place of uh, oppression. Um, but particularly in black film, uh, being able to challenge those things is it has a unique reaction uh, in the black community. And I see P Valley as doing just that. So uh, I, I was honest and authentic with y'all before the call. I myself have not watched it. Um, it is on my list. Certainly now it is on my list, but I'm always fascinated how black culture and art can be exploited and colonized as long as it fits in a particular mold. And as soon as it starts to go off in another direction, then it's something that's nasty, vile, and unacceptable. That's really, really fascinating to me, um, how black art can, at some points, cater to white supremacy to be more palatable, um, but still claiming the identity is in the root and in the identity of, of black culture. That's really fascinating to me. Um, but then I thought about... This, uh, I, I'm just coining phrases right now. Greg Greg knows I like to kind of throw words together to see if they, they they land. And really, that's what seminary is. Like, you get a list of, of words like hermeneutics and expository. And like, he was like, hmm, I wonder if I can throw some things together to make a, a thought. Um, so as a heteronormative biracial man um, who is in an interracial marriage, um, thinking about what does it mean to be an ally to those who deeply identify with a particular community, right? Uh, so for me, giving space is number one and just, just listening. Um, but two, I have to be careful not to fall into this, what I'm going to call this theolo uh, theoretical allyship that says, you know, theologically and practically, like my philosophy on life is that I should love you. But when it comes to practical allyship, I get uncomfortable when I see two men kissing like that for me, that is a piece of my own story that I'm decolonizing to say in those moments, watching that scene, Greg, and, and I, I did watch the scene. Okay. Um, I interrogated immediately. Why, why am I closed off? Why, why does this feel, I'm going to use air quotes, unnatural. Um, it one, it's because we've never really seen it right in art before quite like this mm. quite overt um and two it's just not something i have experienced so i'm like interrogating okay william just because you've never experienced it doesn't deem it bad or unnatural right it's just this is a part of my experience that i haven't experienced before right. so lean in so so thinking about um our, our listeners um, who may not identify as gay or trans or bisexual or lesbian um, or, or non-binary or pansexual, knowing that it can't just be th theoretical allyship that makes you look cool, right? Right. But it really has to be this practical expression yeah. of love to say, oh, wow, I'm welcoming, welcomed into a space I never experienced before. Maybe I should shut the hell up and let people just live their lives and see where the intersectionality of my story and their story come together because it's about the holistic development of, of, of our own belovedness. And so I'm so grateful for you, 
uh, and you are a theologian. I, I like yeah. want you to hear that. Um, but also reminding me to to be a practical ally, to walk alongside, <laughs> to 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 throw a brick uh, when you can't and when you can, and to piss people yeah. off when when you are too tired to do it. Um, being me being uh, a a hetero biracial male and an interracial marriage, being yeah. willing to say nah, that that's not cool. Uh, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I, <laughs> you brought something Same. that I wanted to say a long time ago, but I got on my whole, I told you I could just ramble. But um, one of the things, Greg, in that scene that I really wanted to really highlight, well, in the whole episode, um, is the fact that there was a lesbian uh, sex scene in the same show mm-hmm. of the you know gay sex scene yes i have not to this day seen any posts or videos that say oh why are the two lesbians on the screen no one i have not seen that everyone has been talking about well, why are there two gay men on my screen kissing first of all to me if you watch p valley you need to understand that it ain't no show it's not barney so that's number one. It's it's right. I mean, it's on stars for crying. It's on out stars. Like they're gonna show some some blankety blanks and some blank and blank and blank. Expletive, <laughs> expletive. You know, it's this is basically softcore pornography. Um, but it, it really is. Um, not to get too graphic. Y'all, if y'all watch it that are listening, you understand what I'm saying. But my point is, first of all, if you are watching it, here's here's the like alliteration to me, is like if I had a gay friend and he came with me to a gay club and said, all oh, these gay people kissing. Well, you came to the gay club. Duh. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, that makes no sense. Like you said, to come into a space that you've been invited to and then still feel some type of way. Don't come. Mm-hmm. You know, I, no one forced you to come. Um, so that that to me is the, the weird part. And, and I just want to highlight the fact that I'm not saying that lesbians have not been um, discriminated against. I'm not saying that lesbians have not, you know, felt the brunt of, you know, patriarchal society, you know, and all that. Lesbians have been just as, um, you know, uh, oppressed as gay men have been. However, the act, a, a act of lesbian uh, sex or, you know, women on woman on woman sex, or however you want to term it academically, Two women kissing or having a sexual experience. Oh, I just, you know, I kissed the girl and I liked it. It's a song. Yeah, Where's the I kissed the boy and I liked the song. We don't have one. Uh, Not that I know of. There probably is one, but I don't know about it. And it's probably not as famous because don't nobody care about me kissing the boy and I liked it. Not going to go into that too deep. But my overarching point is that your wife, Will mm-hmm. could tell you to, and I'm not saying this is your reaction, but this is just the heteronormative society could come and be like, they, I had a lesbian <laughs> experience in college. I only did it one time, and you be like, oh, yeah. that's hot. Tell yeah. me more. Um, yeah, no, it, if, if I, and I'm not saying that was your I don't reaction, think but that's say how it. most yeah. men, <laughs> what, react, what did you say, Greg? Yeah, I don't think William would say that's hot. Tell me more. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> but that's right. I'm not saying that that's your reaction, but that's how our society socializes men to react, right? We can all agree to that. Like, you know, seeing two women, yeah, girls gone wild, they dare to kiss the other girl. Oh, I'm still straight, but I kissed her. But if me as a man 
kisses a man one time, I am gay for the rest of the life to, of my life until I die. If I had one sexual experience that I wanted to experiment in college and I never did it again, you're still gay until mm-hmm. you die um, because you broke that imaginary line and you can't go back. Um, and so some people don't like when I say this, but women have a lot more uh, platitude and, and latitude and they have a lot more reach to be fluid and still hold on to their heterosexual identity. However, a man who, oh, well, I did this in college or, yeah, I let him do that. I'm trying to be graphic, but, you know, uh, fill in the blank. No, no, you, you, can be, you, can, you can say whatever you want, like, literally. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say this, and I'm going I'm to ask my grandma, say, mash and get off it. So a lot of straight men had a nigga suck their dick in college, and ain't nobody and ain't told a soul. Um, they wife show sure don't know, but anyway... Um, because if they said anything, they know that their masculinity, their sexual orientation, their identities would be challenged. Mm-hmm. And that is toxic. That And that is the point that I'm making. In the same episode, two women was getting it on. I mean, they was they were getting it on. And you know what, Andre? I'm getting it on. And, and also, I, and something else that's important, I think, to point out is the fact that Mercedes on the show, who's like the the head stripper, like everyone wants to see Mercedes at the club. So she she I didn't I didn't know she did this. I don't know if it's something new, but she had started like doing like I guess I guess she was escorting is yeah. what she was doing. Yeah. And um she had been she had been hired by this guy. And so this this dude was they were also they had a threesome as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then there was, and then like what you're referring to, they did. There was a, a scene with just the two, the two women, but mm-hmm. they also had a threesome. So it was a guy and, and Mercedes and the the dude's wife. And I think that's another reason why women have more uh, leeway is because of the fetishization that mm-hmm. men can have. Oh, I got two women. I got two chicks. Like it's like this whole. It's like this. Yeah this um erotica type thing just played yeah. out for me and like just the more women the better you know what yeah. i'm saying yeah and i think that's that that's, that also contributes to the way women have less scrutiny mm-hmm. around their sexuality yeah and it's the fact that uh men i, I don't most of that type of heteronormative male if you were say, well, okay, your wife asked you to have a threesome, but he bring, but she brings her male friend, they would blow the fuck up, right? Mm-hmm. But if it was, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna bring my girlfriend, oh, you know, so again, and and in in that male male female situation, I'm not even saying that they have to have any type of encounter. The two men have to have any encounter. No, because you see that that happens all the time in pornography. Right, right. Like but some yeah. people feel like just the fact that another man's going to be naked and his hoo-ha going to be even it's, close it's, to me. It's a fool because yeah. you watch naked men in porn. Mm-hmm. You all you masturbate time. to it all the time. Like what? All what is? Time. I don't. It's that lets you know it's a fool. That that, yeah. that, that lets you know that it's mm-hmm. good. It's it's bullshit. Yeah. And people don't have any real reason except for the what society has taught them. Right. That there's there's no there's no rationale or reason to hold these beliefs. 
Socialization is a terrible drug. And then also, Greg, not only that, but even in that male, male, female uh, uh, threesome situation is the fact that some men cannot live with themselves with the fact that another man may have a sexual encounter with their wife or their their uh, girlfriend or whoever it may be. Because also in this feminine space, they, they, they basically feel like they own them in some way and that no mm. one can ever, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, we can have a threesome, but if it's two women, then like, yeah, they could do whatever they want to me. But the time a man comes and starts doing something to you, that's the issue. And so that that's also a problem to me that is also underpinned by a lot of this hegemony and, and toxic masculinity is the fact that we believe women, whether we say it or actually overtly think it, is that some of the things that we perpetuate shows that we believe women are our property, belong to us. And, you know, and again, there's nuance. You know, if you're married, then I understand, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. But if you're inviting another woman into your bedroom, then why not invite another yeah. woman? Yeah, because I recently, I rewatched a movie, an old movie, like the like the early 2000s, Twa, with Gary Dordan and Kenya Moore, were two of the actors in the movie. And... Gary Gary Dordan, they're married. He wants oh, to have a threesome. Yeah. He wants to have a threesome, and then Gretchen Palmer plays this stripper who comes in, and like he hires her, but he don't want his wife to know he hired her. But he hires her to come in, and they have a threesome with each other. And I remember there was a scene in the movie where Gary Dordan's friend, who happened to be his wife's crazy ex, ex-boyfriend. It was like a pl- plot twist, so spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen the movie. But um, G- Gary Dordan's character was like, because his friend asked, well, what if she wanted to bring another dude in? And I, I think what it, it was like a kind of a, a like this like insinuating that he w- wanted to be a dude that was coming into the threesome. Um, but he was like, no, nah, like, it's no other dudes. Like, I'm not doing that. So to your point, um, I, I do think that there is this, it could be an insecurity. It could be, it could be many things. It could be a, or a combination of things. It could be this insecurity. It could be, you know, this my woman and anybody going to touch her, but me. Um, I think all of those things kind of intersect to create our behaviors and how we, how we live them out in the world. Yeah. And, and this is probably one of the last things I'll say, cause I told y'all I could, Woo, th- this this is a really good topic, but um, there's also, this is not to go off the P-Valley topic, but I think it adds color to the conversation. I just watched a movie called B-Boy Blues. Oh, yeah, B-Boy Blues. Last, I literally just B- watched it last night. Um, and so, again, I hope y'all put like a spoiler alert thing on this podcast because I can't really talk about it without really spoiling it. But there is, there are two, and I also like this movie because there are two Black gay characters. One of the characters, though, doesn't identify as gay, but he just, there is, and I want other people to understand, like, we understand, like, the DL identification, like, that, to me, that, I'm an 80s baby, but I was raised solidly in the 90s. I feel like the DL characterization really blew up in the 90s, but 
there are straight men who do not identify as DL or any other type of identification, and they still have sex with men mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what one of the characters was like, I don't identify as gay, I don't identify as DL, I'm just who I am. That's an that's also another conversation for another day, but at the same time in that he was the masculine, the traditional masculine role. Not only did he look the role, but he acted the role. And normally when you act the role of a traditionally masculine man, there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of violence. Um, and that played out in the movie, not to give too much away, but there was a scene that kind of, to me really brings what we were just talking about home is that the masculine partner uh, went to some birthday party, I think, and he was dancing with his ex-boyfriend. Yes. Like, and it wasn't just no like little, you know, cute little dance. It was, you know, they was mm, dancing. Like he was backing that thing up on this band. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the more feminine presenting partner Solid, and was yes. like, well, what the heck is going on? And then, so I guess he felt like, well, since you dancing with somebody, I'm gonna dance with somebody too. Somebody asked him to dance, and the guy saw it and started a fight. And so here's my point: not to, I don't want to get too deep. I think I'm, I know where you're going. I'm going there. It's the fact <laughs> that it's it's a shame that masculinity also uh, socializes us to believe that we own people. And that the 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 masculine role in a relationship has to be the the territorial role, mm-hmm. has to be the possessive role. And I can do what I want, but you can't do what you want. Right. Because that was totally hypocritical. He was, I mean, the guy that he was dancing with was backing that thing up on him. And then this the fact that he was dancing with somebody else drove him insane. That type of I hate that type of thinking. The fact that you can do what you want, but I can't do what I want. Mm. Like in the same atmosphere. And so that also to me plays into this. There, there is internalized homophobia in the gay community. There is sure. uh, internalized femphobia in the gay community. I have never been someone who was masculine presenting like at all. Like I've always... Also, I have a baby face, so my face is a little more non-masculine than most mm-hmm. guys. Like the 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 facial hair that you see is all you getting. I can't grow no beard. Like my my voice is not deep. Um, and now mm-hmm. I have longer hair. And so for a lot of people, um, I am just someone that they would characterize. And y'all said I could say things, but people look at me. <laughs> And would characterize me as a power bottom. And I'm like, okay, but I'm not. Or like, Mm -hmm. again, ascribing Mm -hmm. your outward presentation to who you are. It's so immature. It really is. To say that, oh, well, that, Mm -hmm. because that person is the feminine one, they're the one who is the receptive partner in the gay relationship. Or if that person is the the masculine one, they are the the giving partner in the relationship. Yeah. And the fact that someone that's feminine could never be a, a a top or, you know, someone who engages in giving, you know, instead of receiving. Like, to me, that makes literally no sense. It doesn't. It makes no um, sense. 
And and so that perpetuates because I'm trying to I'm trying to be the nice Christian boy that I told you I am, but I don't ident- I don't identify as a power bottom, right? I I identify as what we call versatile. Like I do a little bit of both, you know. And I also like to be submissive and dominant. Like I like the the spectrum of things. Like I like it all. Greedy, whatever you want to call me. Mm-hmm. My point is, this is what I'm trying to really say, not trying to really tell my business. My point is that a lot of people don't want to fool with me because I look more feminine than they're comfortable with. So mm-hmm. they don't want to be with a guy that's feminine. And then they definitely don't want a guy that's more feminine to give them anything other than they're behind. Mm-hmm. And so where does that come from? Where is that coming from? It's coming from the fact that I think it's dumb that gay men, uh, a lot of them have, and, and they don't even really know it, that they they kind of hate other gay men. And, and they don't they don't want to have that that conversation, honestly. Like they don't want to grapple with the fact that because another gay man may be a little more feminine than you, or and this is how I identify. I don't identify as feminine or masculine. I'm just a dude. Like yeah, I may be feminine one day. I may not be the next day. Like, yeah, I may have a little purse or one day I may ride a motorcycle. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, those type of identities, to me, it that is not the, the issue. But I think a lot of people in the community make that the issue. Or like, I hear people say, well, if everybody's feminine, who's going to be the guy? If you're gay, don't you want to be with guys? And I'm like, that's not how... That's not how that works, but whatever. It's, just, it's, it's just, so it's, basic. It's such a basic conversation to say that a, a man who's what we call flamboyant or, you know, uh, I don't want to say the other terms because they're they're kind of derogatory, but a flamboyant gay man, they think that they have no, it really, there's no place for fam, flamboyant gay men, even in the gay community, because, oh, if you... I'm going to say this and I'm really going to let you talk, Greg. Are you good? Y'all done gave me platitude and latitude and all of these twos and attitude. On, on dating apps and a lot of gay hookup apps, most people on their profile, no facts, no fems. I think going to say that. <laughs> and my thing is, I, I'm on, you know, straight dating apps too. I've never seen on a straight app where women or men said no, no fat women, no fat men. Like I, you know, I've never seen men say no masculine women. Like I don't see, I only see that in the gay community. And again, I may get dragged by other gay people. Oh, well, they don't like me anyway, but (laughs) it's, to me, that's homo- that's that's internalized homophobia in your own community that you, for some reason, are afraid of feminine men and that you only want. And I understand, you know, the fact that you're gay, you are attracted to men. I get that. But this is also something that I say that people don't understand. Just because I may be feminine, if I identify as a man, then I'm still a man. You see what I'm saying? Like, if I am... If I wear lipstick and got nails and I identify as a man, that is what I identify as. So then respect my identity. Anyway, I'm not going to get too far into that. What you was going to say? Well, I was going to say that I think a lot of times gay couples play into heteronormative Mm -hmm. expectations. They do. Uh, And also, I, I, I literally knew you were gonna, I don't use apps 
never used as before. No shade to anyone who has. But I know um when you I knew what you were gonna say when you said no fast no films. And so I think that um there's a lot to unpack there. There's there's fat phobia, there's homophobia, there's a lot of things that um exist within within the queer community that um needs to be interrogated and dissected and discussed. Um, but I also think that something else is important to bring to the table right now, because earlier you you said you were bisexual. And right, you, you said that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to make sure I'm not putting nothing on you. That's not who you are. So there, I think I, just, I had this conversation with a friend of mine um, maybe a month or two ago about the erasure <laughs> of bisexual men. And see, I, I hit a I hit a point there because you dropped your head real quick. Cause it's it's so it's real because all day. That's you know, talking. because and and my point of reference for the conversation was Tyler Perry's for color girls. Mm-hmm. You doing the bending? You 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 doing the bending? So you, Andre, look that that's that whole thing that. I told my friend, I said, this is a goddamn fool. I said, this right here is the reason. This, this, this is, this is, this, these ideologies, these beliefs, this is contributing to DL syndrome. This is contributing to erasure of bisexual men, biphobia, all this right here is, I'm unpacking all these right now in this one scene mm-hmm. because I'm just like, what? What what does what does it matter? Like it doesn't. It, 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 it doesn't. doesn't matter. It was just it was such a it, it in that moment because and when I saw the movie years ago when it first came out and then just watching it as I've gotten older and I'm more aware of yeah. how things are now I'm just like yeah what the hell was that Tyler, you know what Tyler you know I'm glad you brought that up too because so. I feel like all of this contributes to P-Valley. So again, I'm not trying to move the conversation, but there's also a show. I I have a lens that I watch a lot of shows from, but there's also a show called, I really hope y'all do a spoiler alert before this podcast, but there's a show called Queen Sugar um, that I I really love. And so one of the main characters in Queen Sugar is a bisexual woman. She's had, since the show has started, she has had, uh, female and male partners, right? No one's really said anything. No one really cares that this woman is bisexual. That's how I feel that no one really cares, which to me, I feel like is how most, I'm not going to go there, but I feel like no one really cares that she's bisexual. However, uh, in this most recent season, uh, another character um, who has been heterosexual has been, you know, doing heterosexual things up to this point is grappling with the idea that he may have some type of, you know, same-sex attraction to another man. Um, and the reaction, and I and I'm not I'm not condemning the show for this because I really think it was important to include this to show the the issue is that one character can be have so much space to explore and to, you know, be openly bisexual. But this person uh, showed 
like one moment of intimacy with another guy and they were ready to attack him. Mm. And so, yes, I identify as bisexual. And then going back to what I said earlier, it's the bi erasure, it's real. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that there are a lot of women who probably would never want to do anything with me because I have sex with men. Or even there are a lot of people in the queer community, men who don't want to have sex with men who have sex with women. Um, like there, there's so many, you know, different uh, buckets of people that just do not like the fact that people are bisexual, and I don't understand that. Or, or they'll say, "Well, if if I date you, you may cheat on me with somebody of the other yeah, sex." Or, and I'm like, or they'll say, "Like, well, you may want to be poly or want to have, you know, multiple partners." That. The fact that people take someone who is of a differing sexual identity or orientation and ascribe a lot of uh, deviant or different behaviors to them automatically, again, to me, is just childish. Just as people think that all gay men are going to rape your son. What? Like, or, you know, we're going to turn your son gay because we're gay or we're queer. That's dumb. Or, you know, like, these are things that we think the, the overarching black society thinks is true. I've had so many people tell me, well, I don't want you around my son because I don't want him to turn out, you know, I don't want him to be, what? Um, so are y'all doctors? Are y'all lawyers? Because y'all watch the Cosby show. Hello. Y'all right. watch Fresh Friends. Right. And so they're trying to cancel P Valley because it's, you know, un unapologetically queer. But my thing is, is you don't cancel R. Kelly. You, you're, you're defending y'all. Y'all don't get me canceled. Y'all, I see the same people mad about the gay scene on P Valley talking about I ain't canceling R. Kelly. That's my Negro for life. I'm gonna listen. His music still bumps to this. He don't even know you. Oh, really? You're not gonna cancel him? But he, he, he was molesting not only your daughters and your sons. Talk really? about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. I, that that is the and really my issue with everything is the double standard. So you mean to tell me someone like R. Kelly is okay, but you draw the line with two black men who enjoys having sex with each other on screen once. I mean, like I said, like this is something that does not happen every day on TV. This is like a rare occurrence. On we, see, we see uh, lesbians tonguing each other down almost every day on every show. It, I can name so many shows, How to Get Away with Murder. People had lesbian encounters. Like, I mean, there's so many different main characters of a show who had a fluid sexuality who were women but then the men in the show don't have that same that same grace. I'm a, I'm gonna stop there because I I could talk all day. No, I appreciate everything you're saying and lifting up, um, because it's just it's it's so real, it's so valid. Like we we yeah we we have to um, continue to burn all this down just in any way possible. Um, and I, and you gotta tell me who the character is on, uh, on, uh, what's the show you just talked? How to Get Away with Murder? No, 
Queen Sugar. Queen, you got to tell oh, me. I was trying to not like give to. Well, so you got to tell me right now. We got to. Nova, the Nova. No, I know Nova, but you said it was a dude. Oh, Don't guy. tell me right now. Oh my! Hold on, you gonna tell me at the end oh. after we get done recording? Because I haven't yeah. seen, I haven't seen the new season. Okay, yet. I just <laughs> finished the the newest season. Bleep that other part out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he. I would definitely, both of you all, if that's a show, I really enjoy that show. The next season is the last season. I'm gonna be sad to see it go because. To me, it really embodies like the average Black American life. I know it's about farming, but it really, you know, exposes, you know, Black families. And I love that. Um, but yeah, there, his character, and and this was something that I was having conversation with to this P-Valley point is that Nova, who is the lesbian, well, the bisexual, uh, she literally... in. I think one season went from a girlfriend to a boyfriend to a girlfriend to another boyfriend, another boyfriend, this boyfriend, you know, so she, her family was accepting. They didn't, I never once remember them treating her any type of way, not even the community really as a whole. I think there may have been some, you know, run-ins, but like overall she had that space, Mm -hmm. but this character literally like he, is a sensitive guy. He's a more, um, he's different. And so um, a lot of people in the community weren't having it, but I'm glad that they showed that because that's what happens. That's what happens. Um, My, when I came out, I told my mom, like literally like the day before Christmas Eve at my grandmother's house. And she just kind of, I actually was surprised at her reaction because mm-hmm. I expected something a lot more drastic. And she was like, oh, okay. And to me, you you know, especially growing up with Black parents, you kind of know when they don't react the way you expect them to react, that it's either going to be coming later mm-hmm. they or like you really drop something on them so heavy that they don't even know what the hell to say. Right, yes. <laughs> Um, but I, I really want to give grace also to my, my family because they haven't been, they haven't treated me any differently since I came out. Now I will, I've been, I've been trying to help my, my family and say like, I promise I will shut up after I say this. Black folks, especially black parents can be so contradictory, but I don't even think they understand that they're being contradictory. Cause my mom said, Oh, why you never tell me that girl. Now, you know, good and well, I couldn't tell you I was bisexual. Now, why are you playing? Like, you know, like these are, you know, damn well, I, you did not make it easy. Like my, my mother, she doesn't believe it. She doesn't understand it, but she is homophobic. She doesn't know that she's homophobic because she's really, and I'm not trying to sound elitist or trying to condescend my mother. That's not what I'm getting at. She doesn't understand a lot of these, um, the breadth of these conversations about the the spectrum of sexuality. Right. So if that makes sense. Like, so I remember, and I told her, this was the reason I told her, I didn't tell her earlier because, um, I forgot the name of the guy that was mm-hmm. the football, the black guy, football guy who came out like a couple of years ago. And I remember we were in the car and like it came on the news and she was like, 
she I won't repeat it, but she made some questionable comments. Um, and I reminded her then she's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, that's why. That's was why. it was it Michael Sam? I pro- yeah, I think it was Michael Sam. Um, but so that that's that's the thing. Like parents be like, oh, you ain't telling me you could you could talk to me about anything. That is a damn lie. We do not, y'all know good and well the average black parent do not want you to tell them everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Number one, especially if you're doing something that's against the acceptable. No- Okay, and it really comes from the fact that whether we like to admit it or not, we've been forced to have to assimilate to dominant culture in some way or form. I'm, you know, let's just be honest. Like some black people, no, I've been black. Even our black culture was really a lot of it was constructed around the dominant white culture. Like there's so much, you know, that's a sociological debate. But my point is the fact that we want our, you know, kids to be straight. We want our kids to, you know, even locks. Like I remember I, 10 years ago, I grew locks. And what is that on your head? And you need to be clean shape. You never going to get a job with locks. What? Like, what are, what are we saying? Like, what are we doing as a community? You know, it's the anti-blackness for me. The, it's the anti-blackness, but we don't, and I promise I keep saying I'm rambling, but I'm making a point of, the anti-blackness and the, the homophobia, a lot of it, my mama didn't understand she was doing it because it's baked into us. It's socialized into us to believe that that is what a good Christian family is supposed to do, look like, think like, be like. And so anything that deviates from that, we got to we gotta be overtly homophobic. And even when y'all first started, y'all talked about the men. But honestly, this also may get me dragged on Twitter or whatever, but there's a lot of black women who are extremely, extremely homophobic, extremely oh, yes. homophobic. Yes. And will go and get their face beat, as they say, go and get their eyelashes done, makeup. They wear all the designers that they love are gay men. And then at the same breath, and they may even have a gay best friend, but even in the same breath, like, and when I mentioned the fact that there was someone who I saw on a Facebook post where this girl said, well, my brother's gay, but he know he can't be around my son because I don't I want saw, him. I think I saw you share that. You know, so all of that, like, so you mean to tell me your best friend is like the gay of, he's the queen of the gays. Like, your best friend is like the, the monarch of the gays. Like, he is over everybody that's gay. Like, he is the gayest, he's the most senior gay in the world. That's your best friend. And you still homophobic? Like, how that work? Like, how? I don't understand. I don't understand, like, how, how you can be like, oh, I love gay people, but in the same breath, but when you say, but that erases everything you said before it, if there's conditions to your, your, your interactions with me, then most of the time I'm, I'm, I don't want to be, I don't want to interact with you. Like if there's a, you, you good, bro. Like I have friends, oh, you good, bro. But don't do blah, 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 blah. Or if you say this or, or not, really? Like, or I have straight friends. Oh, I'm cool with gay men, but long as you don't try me, <laughs> sir, you don't wipe your tail good. We don't want you. Like, who said we want you? Nobody wants you. Like, and you don't even have, most of the people that say that never had a gay man hit on them because you ugly. Mm. And even if you're not ugly, you might be cute. We might be like, oh, he cute or whatever. But we still don't want you because you think like trash. Like, you know, like there's, 
the, and, and that also to me plays into that, that, that traditional patriarchal, you know, hegemony that all of that, because for some reason, inherently as a man, everybody want me. And I'm so irresistible. And <laughs> even the gay guys want me. Listen. But I'm gonna be homophobic regardless because I'm a man. But I'm so irresistible, all the gay mm-hmm. people want me too. I've what? seen that. I've seen I've definitely seen that seen that. Like I this is the wrong thing. It's almost two o'clock. I've been talking for two hours. Like even on I'm trying to, I, I hope and them kids listen to this. But like even like on freak Twitter, okay, praise God, you know we're all over twenty one. But how about there are people that are content creators that I love that that new term. They're content creators. Why do you have to be on Twitter or OnlyFans to be like I'm a straight content creator? Like, listen. <laughs> Why is that necessary? No, like, and maybe Will can tell me because I've never seen like even like when I see female content creators, I never, I've never seen on their profile they say I'm a straight. I I, want to interject. I want to interject, and then I'm gonna let William go. (sighs) So we know why, but so okay. So it's like. I think, okay, let's talk about sex work for a second, shall we? Because mm-hmm. sex work is, is a, we've talked about, we've been talking about sex work the whole show, we've talked about P-Valley. Mm-hmm. But the sex work is a broad industry um, and it's not just prostitution. There's like, there's OnlyFans, there's strippers, there's, uh, you can, phone sex operators like there's tons of stuff that's involved in sex work and um what i think and i could be wrong andre you can critique me but i want to hear what william has to say too um i think it comes down to the fact that number one homophobia but also i think that there there's this there's like this expectation that a a gay man is going to want you or desire you for whatever the reason might be. And I also think that people may have had experiences in the past with, with people who were gay that they didn't really care for. But I think me personally, I think that if you are, if you're a sex worker, and if, if you're a sex worker and if, you, if you're a man who's a sex worker, then it kind of comes with the territory, if that makes yeah. sense. Like you, because in my personal opinion, I don't think as as a sex worker, I don't I don't think that if you are, if you're a heterosexual man, I, I don't think that you're going to be as successful um, as a woman unless you have a partner, you know what I'm saying? Like if you, because I talk about, because so I have, I, I know people who are sex workers and like, this is something that we we discuss. It's like, if you're, if you're a heterosexual man and you don't have a filming partner, you can hang it up. Like, yeah. you, you, you can hang it up. Yeah, well, here's the thing though. And sorry, but the thing is, it's almost the expectation that because I'm a straight 
content creator that only straight women or whatever women are going to consume my content. First of all, from a, a capitalistic business mindset, I think it's dumb to only say only, and I'm not saying that that's, well, some, I have some people say that, but like the connotation to the first thing on your bio says straight content creator. Mm-hmm. What that tells me is that you feel that only women are going to consume your content. Right. And then I think it's dumb because you, you messing up your coin. You, your bag. You, uh, you fumbling the bag big time. Yeah, like, I mean, if I was like one of them, I'd be like, everybody, I'm a, I'm a everybody. Kind. First of all, there, I just don't understand. Maybe there are ways, but there is literally no way if you are that type of person where you can control who consumes the content that you release. Exactly. So whether a gay man is consuming it or a straight woman is consuming it, who cares? I mean, you're not having relationships with them they're just consuming your content. That's just like saying, <laughs> I'm a straight actor. I don't want no gay men watching my TV show. No one does that. Have you ever? I've never heard about That's just how I feel that sounds. It's stupid. It's a fool. It's a fool. It's dumb because first of all, if I was that straight content creator, I would be so happy that gay men are watching my stuff because that's, I hate to, to play it down like that, but that's where the money is at. Yeah. Because we we've had to really live in these like underground sexual spaces because we didn't have the the liberty to be openly you know okay with being sexual beings really until honestly not even now but my point is the fact that we consume you know the stuff that you're putting out you should be happy yeah real talk you should be really happy. And so a lot of people, I know a lot of people in the community, there's terms for, there's terms for something I've just learned about this is something called a stragget. You ever heard of it? Yeah. No, I have not. So no. I don't want to say the other word, but I feel like y'all could get the, it's a straight man put, who's put, a, putting, put, what put, rhymes put with stragget? Greg looked like he's confused. A, a be, no. Straggit, straight blank. That that doesn't make sense. I get what you're saying. Okay, but let me tell you what. So you get what straggit means, though, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna tell. You, so like, there's like a section of the LGBT community that labels people straggits who are straight men who like go to the very, very limit of homosexual activity. Like they'll like maybe have another male recording partner, but they won't touch each other, but they'll do other sexual things close to each other. Or or they'll like do something that may be gay behavior, but they'll never go all the way. So like they're they're basically teasing the I know exactly what you mean. I know it's I know exactly money but really won't. And so I understand that people have a problem with that because I could I could see why. But at the same time... Like Flashman Wade. Yeah. We're we, 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 we going to have to edit some stuff out, William. We're yes. going we to dissect like him, later. But like, 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 yes. like Flashman... Yeah, yes. like Flashman Wade. Okay. Is, yes, but... I'm, so I understand the issue with that. Um, but... My thing is, if you are a a straight man, then just be a straight man and do what you're going to do. And I promise 
this is, I said, I've said this like five times, but this is going to be the last thing I say. So also this is part of P-Valley too, because they, they've talked about it. Straight men having non-traditional avenues of pleasure, like anal and and pegging and, that also is just not, it's just not something that we're comfortable enough talking about. And you know what else? Uh, sisters, sisters, if you watch Sisters. I have not. Oh, well, there was on Sisters, uh, one of the women, Sabrina is the character. There was a guy who liked her, but he had been raised by two gay, two gay white men. And he was, he was black. <laughs> and so... Um, he enjoyed he enjoyed pegging, and like, but Serena was already she was already sketchy about him just because he was he wasn't as rugged as other guys that she she stated in the past. But um, when it came out that he enjoyed pegging, like that was just she didn't know how to handle that. Yeah, yeah, and that that's an that's an inherent issue to me that I, I don't feel like. In, in from the straight and the, the gay perspective that just because the male enjoys anal penetrative sex from a woman or from it, a toy doesn't mean you're not heterosexual and it, and it doesn't mean you're automatically yeah. gay anything that you do with the opposite sex that's not gay right so it's we had we i just want us to all be free and we that's something that um I recently discussed with a with a, a dude that I know who is a sex worker. And I was like, yeah, that's 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 not gay. Like you you're a man, she's a woman. Like there's nothing gay about this scenario. It's not. And it's, <laughs> and it's okay. And I I just that's why I really was glad that you invited me on because I want people to talk about this more like it's okay if you enjoy your wife to strap on for you like okay that's your wife like your wife that's your wife like it's okay and even if in in part going back to like the queen sugar and this all plays into p-valley because they've had all of these conversations because even with little murder he doesn't necessarily outwardly identify as a queer person but he's blowing people's backs out yes so the issue is, is that they've interrogated that a lot in the, in the, in the, in the show. But the, the issue is, is that men, black men specifically, we are ascribed a stringent list of requirements that we must meet. And if we do not meet them, we are other. And Absolutely. I think it's, it's crazy that we, we feel that someone who enjoys anal pleasure from their, their, their wife, <laughs> is is gay. gay or or if you're a content creator because there's a content creator that I follow who is straight and he enjoys anal pleasure and the gay community is the one that be dragging him and I'm like See, that's they, they want too much so I'm like so and so we're we're part of the problem but then we're the solution at the same time why are we dragging <laughs> him because he like to use dildos that's his that's his business exactly that's his business and exactly. if he wants to identify everybody who wants something up, they behind ain't gay. And that's okay. And I don't want, again, I hope that's not soundbited because I don't want the gay community to feel like this is an attack. I just want us to understand that I understand 
why some people are hesitant to talk about it because not only are the straight folks dragging them, but we dragging them too. And so I don't, I don't see a problem with the gay man liking something up his butt. That's what you mean. A heterosexual man. You mean a heterosexual? I mean a a heterosexual man. That's okay. Let's be okay with that. And and I'm going to be quiet because I've been talking for two hours. Y'all gonna have to invite me back for some else because I'll be here to five o'clock. Into this, but I want to answer your question directly, Andre. Straight content creator never heard of it. I put it in the same category or bucket as like Christian author, Christian singer. It's like, I didn't know uh, singing had a religion or writing had a religion or content creation has a sexual identity that I'm not aware of. Yeah. Um, so I kind of put it in that. Yeah. Um, but the two kind of frameworks I've been yeah. like playing around with yeah. in, in my mind as, as, as we um, kind of talk about this con straight content creator tag is the difference between the fight for privilege and the fight for human rights. So like I see the straight content creator, um, you're just screaming because other people have a platform and now you feel like you have to say, well, I'm straight. So I'm going to champion my sexuality and my identity. And it's like, yeah, but that's also saying like, I'm deeply patriotic. We're like, we know like it. Yeah. That's, that's always been a thing. So you, you don't need to champion what is the norm. So yeah, right. It's like, mm, I, what's dominant doesn't need to be right. expressed what's because the norm? it's being expressed every single day. Right. Uh, but then the, the, the fight for human rights, that piece is really interesting to me. Um, you, you, you see that with like, Black lives matter. Well, all lives matter. Well, no, no one said people didn't matter in general. We're just focused right now on the black. So that's where I kind of put that in into perspective of people being mm-hmm. uh, feeling oppressed because their privilege is being taken away from them, and other people are getting a platform to say the things that they value, as if it somehow diminishes the other person's expression or, or way of life. So that's like really interesting. It's it's the scarcity mindset. For me, that I'm like, um, yeah. you're fine, you're okay. Like, let let people live. Um, however, I do want to thank you for coming on <laughs> yeah. and sharing your experiences and and, wi- and wisdom and being who you are. My Alexa is going off. Alexa, thank you. Alexa, I didn't call you. See, that's wild. <laughs> that's that's how you know. All right. We we're gonna edit that out. Let me go back, Andre. We are so thankful now, that Andre, you are with is... us today, sharing your experience, sharing your knowledge, willing to have the conversation, and, and just cutting through the noise and being raw and real. Um, so, where can we find you in the world? What are your yeah? Yeah. Oh. So um, my full name is Andre, A-N-D-R-E, Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L, Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S. I promise if you search that on any social media platform, you should be able to find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Just type in Andre Marcel Harris. You should be able to find me. Um, and yeah, that's that's where I'm at, uh, screaming. <laughs> about about these issues greg knows um but we we need more people to and and i'll say this in closing it some people say 
things to me, I guess, to dissuade me from speaking out, like, you know, why are you talking or you ain't got to. Yes, I do, because nobody else is talking about it. Yeah. And the people that are talking about it, y'all ain't listening to them. So they need some help. <laughs> exactly. Um, help. Yeah, we I'm a I'm a help because the fact that people think because I'm a Christian, that means I can't be critical of Christianity or the church. That makes no sense. The fact that there are people that think because I'm American, I can't be critical of America, that makes no sense. Even as I said before, that some people believe just because now I identify as queer that I can't be critical of some things that I see that are issue in the queer community. It doesn't make sense just because I'm a part of something that does not preclude that organization or that that thing for me not to be able to criticize. Mm-hmm. And our critique is not always coming from a bad place. You know, criticism is, I think we've all, always thought criticism to be wrong or hurtful. And it, and it can be, not saying that it, it can be very hurtful. It can be very wrong at sometimes, but also sometimes when you criticize it's because you love that person or you you love that organization you want better for them or you really like well I want to continue to be a part but I don't feel like I am and so I'm going to tell you the issues I, I I've never understood why that was an issue so people have always called me provocative as it was a derogatory word but it makes me feel good that people are comfortable by the things that I say because it means it. that Y'all are thinking them, but you ain't saying them. So I'm going to say it. Exactly. I will. Love it. Andre, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you again. Like, you dropped so much knowledge today and so many gems. I just rambled for two hours. Don't shake your head. No, take it. Stop. Take it it for what it is. No self-sabotage. Thank Thank you you. so much for being here and sharing the breadth and wealth of knowledge that you have done so today. Um. Yeah, connect with Andre. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you close. Do what you do, William. But um, connect with Andre on his platforms. Um. Yeah, just support what he's doing. Yes. Support. So, in closing, black, to queer, my heteronormative brothers and sisters, yes. do not weaponize the perspectives that you have heard today. Do not take the subcultural critiques to cause harm to this community. Be above the harm and do not exploit the relationships that you have with this beautiful community. And remember that decolonization doesn't happen in a day. Peace, y'all.